This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about how the bar exam is no longer the only way to become a lawyer in Oregon, the latest on the Portland Public Schools teacher strike, and city council filing down the teeth of the new police oversight board. Joining me on this week's News Roundup are KBU News Director Althea Billings and CityCast Director of Newsletter Brian Vance. It's Friday, November 17th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Welcome, everyone, to this week's News Roundup. Brian, Althea, glad to have you both back on. Good to be back. Hey, happy to be here. For all of those new to the show, first off, hey, how's it going? We're so happy you made it. This is a shoes-off household. To all of our regular listeners, you know where the fridge is. Make yourself at home. Today is the day when we break down some of the biggest stories of the week. But before we dive in, as is tradition, I will be asking our guests an opening question that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. And this week's opening question is inspired by a listener email. And I'm just using his initials here, VC. He wrote in, I love the show. I started listening a few months ago before I moved here, and it made adjusting to life in a new town so much easier. Thanks to your show, I have a great list of restaurants and bars. In that spirit, I'd love a few suggestions on tattoo shops. I hate relying on the internet alone to find tattoo artists because Google searches are so easy to influence. Instead, I prefer getting the inside scoop from friends to confirm that the tattooers are talented and safe. As a new Portlander working in a long-sleeved industry, which is like a new term. I didn't know that was a thing. I've never heard that before. Yeah. It's the new blue-collar, white-collar. Long-sleeved. I haven't made enough tattoo friends to ask for recommendations. Can you help? Which is so sweet. First off, VC, welcome to Portland. You chose like the perfect town to want tattoos in, you know. Oh, and just know that your proposed episode is in the works. Thank you so much for that idea. And if anyone listening has any tattoo shop recommendations, please send them over. Uh, but anyhow, that listener email made me curious. One, do you guys have any tattoos? Um, no. <laughs> I don't. I, oh, my I, God. No tattoos. I am a bearded Portlander with no tattoos. Brian. I can't get them. I get uh, keloids. So basically, if I get a tattoo, it would look like a tumor was growing from that tattoo. It would be pretty gnarly looking. So it's oh, it's not worth it. man. See, this is, this is how I found out I had this. I had 22 piercings in my ears oh. in high school. And I developed keloids the size of grapes on the back of my ears. It was <sighs> wild, wild stuff. So no tattoos for me. What about you, Althea? I don't have any. I have a nose piercing. That's as far as I've gotten, I'll say. <laughs> that's your statement right there. That's like that's my statement piece right there. It was as much as I could muster in the last couple of years. I'm not opposed to it. I have I don't know that I have a good tattoo shop recommendation though. Hmm. Well, my I had a part two on this question. Brian, you have to live in an alternate reality for this one. If City Cast Portland were going to pay for each of you to get a tattoo today, Brian, your keloid thing was not a I'm assuming that 
you've thought about it. You're like, oh, dang. Uh, oh, this I, wanted, right? I wanted tattoos. So yeah. I, yeah I, so what would it be? Today you got a tattoo. It'd be a crow. It'd it be would a crow. be a crow. It would be a crow. So a crow probably doing some like, I don't know, something weird. Like, like with an abacus or something? Yeah, like counting, <laughs> playing chess, something like that. Like just a crow being a boss. Like crows are epic. And just like they're everywhere in Portland. So what a great way to commemorate mm-hmm. CityCast Portland. I love that idea. What about you, Althea? Well, first of all, I'm impressed that you can cure keloids now. CityCast Portland is <laughs> right. way more powerful than, than previously thought. The only tattoo that I've like uh, thought of in my mind, I have two sisters, so I want us all to get parts of the main quote from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. But we're arguing over who gets what line, so it could take a while. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. I feel like if I were to, I already have a tattoo, but if I were to get one, it would be so lame. This is so, so embarrassing, but it's the truth. I'd probably get uh, the um, St. John's Bridge. I don't think that's lame. That is a beautiful work of art. Like It's one of our most beautiful bridges. But I feel like it's a standard thing if you live in St. John's. It's yeah, like everyone has a maybe. bridge. I, but I feel like the best place would be the neck, like right mm, here in the front. Yes. It looks so tough, right? Because of the architecture. Yeah, because it has that natural dip in the middle. Yeah. Exactly. Not going to do that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I wanted if, a face tattoo when I was in yeah. high school, so I mean, I feel you. Can I change my answer? I want to get the Markham Bridge. Okay. <laughs> the high five overpass. <laughs> just the five. The st- dumbest. But I love that. Get it on your forehead. It's so dumb. It's like- Excuse me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, I would like the freeway overpass, yeah. a.k.a. My Martin favorite bridge. Portland bridge, City of Bridges. That's the one they're talking about. The most beautiful bridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. On to the news of the week. Brian, what story have you been following? Well, I don't know if y'all have heard this. I mean, I'd, I'd imagine so. Uh, we are in a public defender crisis in Oregon. We have so few public defenders that people who are you know, facing some pretty hefty charges are actually being let out of jail because their constitutional rights are being violated. Well, the Oregon Bar has come up with an interesting potential solution, though I'm not sold that this is actually going to solve the problem immediately. Uh, You can now become a lawyer in Oregon without passing the bar. You have to complete a pretty rigorous apprenticeship, you know, which the, the way they've figured it out is basically like law students, you know, they as they're in law school, they're picking up internships, apprenticeships, they're picking up jobs working in public defender's offices or legal clinics, and then they have to quit because they have to spend four months cramming to take this this really intense two-day test to get their law license. So instead of having to take the test, the Oregon Bar is now offering the opportunity for you to complete a intense four-month apprenticeship. And as long as you meet certain um, requirements during that apprenticeship, you can then get your law license in Oregon. It's not the shot in the arm that we need. Like, we need more public defenders tomorrow. For sure. Not not four months from now. But it is cool to see that this thing that has been around for I don't know how long, uh, that may not be the most efficient way to determine someone's qualifications to practice law. Because it's really about, like, how well can you take a test? You know, how, how yeah, well can you yeah, memorize right. things? That they're willing to explore alternative options. I think that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, four months of studying or you just put in 675, you know, apprenticeship hours, like like actually doing your job. I don't know. I love 
the word apprenticeship. I love that there are more people that are going to be able to say, oh, yeah, I'm an apprentice. Like, oh, in blacksmithing? No, the law. Uh, (laughs) I think that's great. Obviously, yeah, the the shot in the arm, anything to start chipping away at the public defender crisis. I don't love the headlines that I've been seeing about it because they're always like, Oregon, getting rid of the bar. Whoa, no one's doing law right. It's like, hey, hey, no, we're not getting rid of it. There's just this other thing that you could also do instead of kind of going through hell, (laughs) studying for a test that 43% of people didn't pass in 2022. It's nuts. That's maybe not related to what you're actually going to be doing. Well, when Mm -hmm. the the bar organization, you know, the people who actually create the test in Oregon are coming out and saying it's really just a memorization test, like, I I think, yeah, that's a sign that maybe this thing should go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a little proud of Oregon because this is something that uh, other states are actually looking into as well. Like, they're just like, oh, hmm, let's see how that shakes out. (laughs) Yeah, and I believe California is actually one of the ones who's who's sort of looking into what's happening here to see if if it's something that they should replicate. So maybe we can actually be the pioneers here for once. Yeah. The other interesting thing here is that, like, because of the way this works, you do this, you're only licensed in Oregon. So, like, you would still have to take the bar if you wanted to practice law in California or Washington or, and not every state has a a uniform bar exam, but there is like something like 30 states in the U S where, where basically it's the same exam. So if you take it in one state, you can then practice law in you know, 29 other states, this is just in Oregon. So you do this, Mm -hmm. you, you better be set on uh, practicing (laughs) law here. So I really want there to be like another tier. Like they're just like, sorry, bud, you didn't, you didn't pass your apprenticeship. You are now a wordsmith. A lawyer, you are not. You can you can read things eloquently, and good luck. <laughs> well, I like seeing that this is something that people are going to get paid for, and this is like similar to yeah. internships that law students are mm-hmm. already doing. That typically they have to quit in order to study to take the bar. Well, and, and potentially helping people while you're doing this, right? Because you, know, you are you're doing work, and typically when you do work in a law firm, it's in service of a client, and that could be. Mm-hmm in service of people who need defense, you know? Yeah. I do wish that they were a little bit more focused on, like, this is one way of passing, but you have to be a public defender. Yeah. You know? I just feel like Like, they put that... For a year or two. Yeah, just for a year or two. Just, like, a service, you know? Just do this, and then, all right, off you go. Here's a wild idea. What if we forgave their student loans if you did, like, two years of of public defending? Oh, there we go. Write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Althea mimed her brain exploding. She <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, that actually would be amazing because they do something very similar. I don't know if you know this, but with like PAs and doctors, uh, mm-hmm. you can get like a a scholarship through the United States through the federal yeah. government, and your whole deal is that for two years you have to serve in an underfunded community, and literally it's anywhere now. Like it, right, it's right, por- that's the entire anywhere. country now. Yeah, it's the entire co- – like, you can live anywhere and be like, yep, here. Maybe not Happy Valley, but you know what I mean? Like, almost anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's uh, So, yeah, it, it is a model that exists out there, but uh, is there the the political appetite for it? I I don't know. Also, law school's expensive. I mean, so is so is medical mm-hmm. school. But, like, that is that is a lot of money we'd be talking about forgiving. But it, it serves the public, you know, in the end. Like, I have to think it's a better use of money than housing people in jail for like 60 days and then having to to dismiss their charges because we didn't have anyone to represent them and we violated their constitutional rights like that to me that seems like a, a massive waste of time and money and resources so agreed 
Well, I hope that this all goes well because it's a, you know, we're getting there. We're getting to smarter and better ideas. Loan forgiveness would have been, would also be awesome. I don't know who yeah, listens to this show. Yeah, uh... <laughs> if anyone's listening. If anyone's listening and can do something about it. <laughs> Any loan forgivers in the audience? Any, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Um, thank you, Brian. Althea, what, what story were you looking into this week? I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Not really anybody's talking about it. It doesn't really impact that many people. It's the Portland teacher strike that we've been oh, following. Oh, I, 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 I heard thing. some buzzing. I've heard some buzzing about yeah, that. Yeah, don't yeah, know yeah, much. yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, the main issues for the unionized teachers that are on the picket line is teacher compensation, class sizes. They want mental health supports for students, especially after the pandemic, and clean and safe schools. There's been a lot of issues with heating and mold and can you drink the water um mm. and so you know these these previous two weeks and and as of early this week's the gap between the proposal from the portland association of teachers and portland public schools was estimated to be about 200 million dollars over three years and so everybody's looking at this and like this is a huge amount of money what the heck are we supposed to do with this how are we ever going to meet in the middle state officials and lawmakers were kind of like, people were like, hey, hey, the governor, hey, state lawmakers, do you want to give us some money to fix this? And they're like folding their arms. No, (laughs) we gave you as much money as you asked for last year. What do you mean? Uh, At the level they funded at the level that folks were asking for at that time. So as of, I believe, Tuesday or Wednesday, the new union proposal softened on their class size caps because what they had wanted was a hard cap. I don't know exactly what the number was, like 28 or 30 or something because some classes are like 36 kids right now. And obviously that that doesn't necessarily equate to everybody getting enough attention. So their new proposal softens on these class size caps. And there's kind of mixed numbers about how much that would save from like the difference between them. They're saying 94 million, $90 million. That's later dispute. The district is like, hey, whoa, hang on. You didn't do your math right yeah, on let's, that. Yeah, let's double check this. Let's pump the brakes. Uh, But their proposal basically is to, instead of having these firm limits, to create a class size committee at every school that could approve of having more students in a class if necessary. Mm. Mm, That sounds messy. Yeah, I also heard another another way that they were saving money, you know, that the union came back with a compromise was like, hey, I know we asked for more planning for for the school year, because I don't know if a lot of people don't know this, but like teachers don't get paid to do that. Like a lot of the time, like they get right. X amount, but like they, it's a lot of, there's it's still a lot, a lot of, of it they're doing. Yeah. That goes unpaid. Exactly. At home or at the end of the day, they're just nonstop working. Um, and so I know that they also, they were just like, how about as opposed to X amount of hours paid, we just maybe cut off certain meetings. <laughs> like instead of like 24 meetings, maybe we just have 20 meetings. And then, you know, they were trying to find ways to balance out. So I feel like the union really has been trying to conceive yeah. some of the stuff to make stuff work. Mm-hmm. I thought like on Wednesday, I heard that the uh, budget analyst for the school district said that the union failed to account for nearly 100 million in costs, which is like half of the 200 million. So <laughs> some a, progress pretty... was being made. I don't know. Yeah, I think that was, they're saying that the union didn't account for having to hire more support specialists and counselors. So speech therapists and school counselors and stuff, Mm -hmm. they want them to have a reduced caseload as well. And so they didn't factor in having to hire more of those folks to Mm. help out. So they're still saying it's quite expensive. But because of this new proposal, apparently coming out of bargaining on Wednesday night, the vibes were good. 
They were like, we're making, <laughs> we're making progress. We're mm-hmm. heading in the right direction. So I believe that the union and the district are back in bargaining today. Ooh. So, so uh, could we have a solution? To, I don't know. I feel like, you know, it seems like the beginning of this, it was just like absolutely no agreement, no movement. They weren't even coming to the table for several days in a row. Like mm-hmm. this, this seems very promising to me. Mm-hmm. Good news. If if there is any good news about school not happening for what will it be like almost 12 days at this point? Yeah. And if it bleeds into next week, that is the week of Thanksgiving where a lot of kids would be off school for the whole week anyway. Usually those, I think elementary school kids at least uh, would be off school because that's parent teacher conferences and things like that. So, you know, we might be looking at a full month off of school with the way that things are going. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that the one thing that the teachers didn't budge on were the rats. I hope that they <laughs> yeah, really that didn't is, just get those rats that is some wa- <laughs> out kids of on the, the playground with rats. Like, <laughs> that was just like a straight up like Simpson episode. That you know is. what I mean? Like when they're just like, can we please not have rats? And like, you know, Superintendent Chalmers was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to the district's credit, though, isn't that like one of the big reasons that they they asked for that massive bond measure a few years ago? Because they knew that so many of their schools were like, in frankly terrible condition and, and needed improvement. And that's why they've been like kicking kids out of high schools in North Portland to, to yeah. basically rebuild yeah. the school from the ground up. So <laughs> they're just, I love the rebuilding is like, and taking the rats out. And so. <laughs> getting rid of these things. Unlike Jeez. New York, the rats don't run this school. <laughs> oh man. Did you guys see that uh, the House Republicans decided that they want to make it illegal for teachers to strike? I wonder where they got that idea. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, how are they going to enforce it? Like, are they going to prevent teachers from uh, teaching the next year? Like, if they strike, they're just out of a job. It's so silly. It's like really they're going to just lock up teachers. Didn't Republicans, you know, kind of exactly. walk off the job for forty something days <laughs> this year? Yeah, I wrote down unserious and ironic. <laughs> <laughs> Also, none of them are from the Portland area. This doesn't even no, impact you. I know. It's like, yeah, uh, like they're not they're not involved. To their credit, it was it was introduced in the in the House, right? Of which like only one of the Republicans actually walked out. So but but also I don't think they came out and, and disavowed their Senate colleagues who who basically every session for the past five years have taken a vacation in Idaho or somewhere else um, mm-hmm. while they're supposed to be working. So, Oh my God. It's, it was, it was funny. It was embarrassing. When I read that, I was, were you, I felt embarrassed. Like I was like, you guys, well, just, just a little like, bit of self-awareness, just a little bit of self-awareness. I really don't understand the point of introducing things that, you know, stand absolutely zero chance of ever going anywhere. Like sure. Maybe it makes a political statement to your base, but like, that's what it is. Yeah. Also that is, you know, as you said, Althea, unserious. Like, it's just like, what? Like, the time that you wasted, the resources you wasted in even proposing this, like, you could have actually been coming up with a real solution. Like, I don't know, we have a record kicker. I get that there's technically not money anywhere, but there's billions of dollars that we're, like, saying we can't use for all the things that we need because of some really dumb law that, like, if you didn't anticipate fully what it was going to cost to run the state when you wrote the budget, you can't take that excess revenue and you like what mm-hmm. like what if we mm-hmm. like repurpose some of that and funded our really terrible education system yeah <laughs> not- like did not mince words brian <laughs> it's our we god are, we're like, awful we have like what like the second or third worst high school graduation rate in the country like I know. and this is 
every single year we're down there. And and like, sure, yes, the state funded educators at, at what they asked for. But how about going above and beyond? Like, put your money where your mouth is. Why would they do that when they could write a press release? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You yeah. know, do real work or you can do something that gets some headlines. They and, look real uh, good on IG. Yeah, because yeah. I mean that's what it was. It was just for like all the dudes who wear Oakleys behind their head to be like, "Yeah, America!" on the comments, you know. Yeah. Do your job, that's, you know. Do like, your yeah. job. I totally yeah. care Go about to the w- kids. <laughs> yeah. That's what this is about. The children of Portland who I've always supported. Yeah, out here in Medford, Oregon, <laughs> yeah. out in Prineville or whatever. Yeah, no hate to Prineville. But, no, no, you know, great. Yeah, great places. But like, we're not the same way. You wouldn't want you wouldn't want Ted Wheeler getting involved with how you're police operate in Prineville. So maybe don't get your unserious representative involved in how Portland teachers are negotiating. That was like such a tentative smackdown, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) With your permission. Because I get it. With your permission, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. With permission. I mean, we we are a state. We should maybe all consider this. (laughs) I know that teacher strikes don't just happen in Portland. So so like, you know, there is some statewide incentive maybe, but this just doesn't seem like a solution. It doesn't solve anything. It just means they can't do the thing that they're doing right now. But how does that actually solve the issues of class sizes and teachers not being paid living wages and students not having access to mental health care and rats being in schools and (laughs) lead in the water. Like, that doesn't fix any of those things. Well, hopefully today we get some resolution to this because it's not like anyone's happy, except maybe the people who make poster boards. But aside from that, like, (laughs) they're doing great. They're doing a poster boards and and markers. Those are Lake Art Supplies celebrates teacher strike. All right, well, let's take a quick break here. And when we return, more news of the week. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So my story this week comes from Willamette Week City Hall reporter uh, Sophie Peel, who's a Friday Roundup regular. Yes, we all love her. So... It's all about Portland City Council voting at this Wednesday's meeting to cut back or modify proposed aspects of the Police Oversight Board, which is a ballot reform Portlanders voted on back in 2020. So just to add some background on that Police Oversight Board, it passed by 82%, like nearly 82%, which is insane. Like, that's a lot. Do 82% of any Portlanders agree on anything? Like Insane. I don't think we can get 82% degree that it's raining when it's raining. So. <laughs> this is more of a sprinkle, y'all. Yeah. It's a spritz. It's this a is a count of rain. contrarians. Yeah, for sure. So 
It's clear that the majority of Portland wants to see a new governmental body investigate and discipline police officers that is separate from the Portland Police Bureau and its influence. Because there are, of course, there's like, you know, some oversight boards now, but they're all connected to law enforcement. And just to clarify before we dive in a little deeper, uh, this is not the independent monitor the Portland City Council unanimously approved last week. That's its own thing. And we did talk about it in last week's roundup. The independent monitor is like on a federal level and it stems from this strict reforms that the United States Department of Justice imposed on the city. Yeah, uh, the, the police <laughs> keep getting in trouble with the feds. So. Yeah, since 2014, this settlement. Yeah, this goes way back. We were supposed yeah. to be done in 2020. Oh yeah. I know something happened in 2020, right? So I wonder what that was. <laughs> I have to go back. <laughs> the habitual use of a necessary police force by the Portland Police Bureau has basically brought the federal government down our collective throats. And yeah. so this independent monitor was kind of like a compromise between the city and the federal government. They're just like, fine, yeah, yeah, bring in your hall monitor. We're cool, you know. So this, this new city-level police oversight board we voted for it has nothing to do with that. It does, though, because the independent monitor will be, like, overseeing it as well. Oh, interesting. And also, the DOJ has to approve the conditions for the new oversight board because it has to comply with the settlement agreement from 2014. So it is all connected, but not the same thing. Right. And I just wanted to say that because I'm, I'm sure if people were listening last week, they're just like, is this the thing that we were just talking about? And it's like, maybe. Not, not quite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, any thoughts on that before I get into the changes that the city council voted on this Wednesday that might have modified a little bit of what we voted on? Modified it a lot from what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ripped yeah, out I mean, 70 guess... some pages of what the Police Accountability Commission proposed. So uh, Dan Handelman from Portland Cop Watch was on KBU this week talking about this ahead of the public hearing on it on Wednesday. Quite a bit to be said about it. They're saying now that their proposal is just like it's based on what the Police Accountability Commission said to do. And I the to paraphrase what uh, Dan Handelman told us, he said that it's it's sort of analogous to like broken ceramics on the floor being based on a vase. Uh, which oh <laughs> cracked me up at the time because that I think is a is a relatively good way of, you know, trying to cobble something back together. Okay. Well, I, well, I wanted to basically explain the immovable aspects of the reform because here's the deal. We right, voted on a thing, not... but there were no details. There were no details. It's like, how are we going to yeah. get there? So here are the aspects, though, of the reform that we did vote on, which is no police or their immediate family, for instance, are allowed on the board. Neither are former police officers. The city council, which appoints board members, need to prioritize applicants with lived experience of police discrimination. And applicants should be racially diverse and should also include members who have been impacted by addiction and mental illness. The new oversight board will have the authority to subpoena testimony and compel documentation, uh, which we'll get into, and also the oversight uh, panel's budget, like all this can be no less than 5% of the Portland Police Bureau budget, which if it were this year, it would be like $12 million. So all that could not be modified, right? right? So the reason why people are annoyed is because city council found ways to influence these immovable things with other stuff. It's like, you didn't trip, but I did put a comically large banana peel in front of you. 
Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like what are the obstructions we can toss in here that will make it really hard to meet those requirements? Yeah. Althea, did Dan break down some of the proposals that... That got gutted? Sure. Yeah, uh, that got gutted. <laughs> One of the, the most shocking to me was removing the word transparency from the definition yeah. of, account- of police accountability. Uh, mm-hmm. They want to close up a bunch of meetings that the Police Accountability Commission wanted to keep open to the public and take as much public comment as possible, even though the transparency one gets me, man. That's, yeah. That one's a little comical. That's, That's a little really on the hard nose. to, yeah. Basically, they're saying, hey, when there is an investigation, um, that can happen behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. We don't have to let right. anyone know. What you will hear, what the public will hear, is our decision. They'll watch us vote on yeah, the decision. But what what influenced that decision, what we found, uh, what we decided to dismiss. The trail, like, how we got there. Mm-mm. Can't see and the that's, work. And here's the deal. But here's the reason why they're just like, no, but like we're still kind of following what you guys want. Because it's up to the person being investigated. Yeah, every person being investigated is going to be like, come on in. You know, <laughs> bring in your tape recorders. I want this blasted. Hey, I'm accused of something heinous. Get in here. Let's talk about it. Want some tea? Like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. So there was that. This is the one that kind of bugged me personally the most. <laughs> where I was just like, oh, God dang. Was they basically created another kind of like committee uh, within this to handpick the board. Mm-hmm. And though we said, hey, no one in the actual police oversight board can be law enforcement. This committee that they sort of shoved in is pretty much law enforcement. Like it's got, you know, people from the police union, from the commanding union, from like someone that the police chief will pick and members from the previous, you know, oversight boards that this is now replacing. The oversight boards that basically helped us all get to 2014 DOJ like settlement. you know What got us into this mess? The ones that were doing a really great job at helping making sure that... That the federal government didn't come down and they're just like, Portland, what the fuck are you doing? You know? So there's going to be those members as well in this committee that then chooses the final police oversight board. And and here's the language. I'm sure, Althea, you heard this one. Yeah. This one's, I was just like, Jesus Christ. Um, so a clause that the city council added was that any individual who has a demonstrated bias for or against law enforcement would not be eligible to serve on the body. And that feels like it could get very subjective and very discriminatory pretty quickly. So anyone who protested in 2020, anyone who's experienced police discrimination, which is something we basically said, hey, these are the people we want on the board, that can actually start messing with the supposed immovable provisions we actually voted for. So it's language like that, that people came up and they're just like, hey, st- don't do this. And they still did it. It feels like it could even include people who voted for the ballot measure. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're biased against <laughs> right. Hey, right. 82% of people in Portland who supported this, ah, you can't be on this You're board because you hate cops. Yeah, I, I can't help but see that it'll be wielded to basically exclude everyone except like the most vanilla, non-effective people that you could imagine for what is going to be a very important role so that we can stop getting in trouble with the DOJ. Like, how much money have we wasted fighting the DOJ on this? Like, and how much money has the city spent on settlements 
for right. discrimination, for abuse, mm-hmm. for shootings. Like, can we just stop with all of that? Like, that's this is not out there to criminalize being a police officer. This is out there to make sure that, like, you're all doing your best work possible in a fair and equitable way. And that when there are people who are doing bad things, like, they're held accountable so that the ones who aren't don't suffer. So that you don't wind up with everyone saying all cops are bad and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like every cop is a crook and things like that. Because right now when there's, there's no accountability for them, it's, it's hard not for people to feel that way. Yeah. But you know, I feel like it could have been so much worse you guys, because at the beginning of these discussions, sorting through the proposals, mayor Ted Wheeler questioned blocking current or former police officers from serving on the board. He's not running again. He can do whatever Ted. he wants, yeah, you know, and in some ways that's, that's been beneficial, but in a lot of ways it seems to be bringing out like some of his worst instincts, mm-hmm. which is to just kind of impose his will on how the city is supposed to operate when like 82% of the voting population said, like, nah, this is what we want. Yeah. Yeah. And just revealing what lip service all of 2020, it's 2021 just... was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not an actual value held by the city or the people that are mm-hmm. leading us. Definitely not the right. people who are in power right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of the people who, who gained power, it was a reactionary vote. A lot of people yeah. had a very reactionary attitude towards certain commissioners. Mm-hmm. Basically, they were just tired. They're like, all right, all right, we get it, we get it. And they voted with, with not with their mind, but with their, you know, fearful heart. And yeah, yeah. that got us where we are now, which is that, yeah, when you vote from fear and reactionary of like whatever, you know, you're not going to get a good leader. You're going to get Trump. You're going to get, yeah. you're going to get, I'm not saying that there's a Trump in our city council. I'm just saying that's where we end up. No, no, I don't think that's what you're saying, but like, that is how you can get in situations like that. And I think that's mm-hmm. how we've gotten in, in some of these situations we've had where like politicians who are elected saying they were supporting one thing are suddenly doing something completely counter to what they ran on and yeah. in lockstep with their, with their fellow commissioners. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not here to to talk nonstop smack on the city's revisions to their proposal, because if you look into it, the advisory board did suggest a lot of interesting ideas, which I feel like weren't publicized larger. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they finally made it to the like actual board, but when they were talking about stuff, they were just like, we want 33 members, which is a lot of people on a board. Yeah. Committees that big. It's hard to get anything done. And they also wanted them to get paid. But I'm sure it's just so like, oh, so these people who uh, we're asking who are more diverse, maybe they'll all come. Because most board members are made up of really rich people that don't need to get paid. Who have the time. They can take 10, 15 hours out of their week to serve on a volunteer board because they're not dependent on making an hourly salary. Yeah, but they and then they also wanted a lot of the money to go to like child care, independent care for these people, therapy, Mm. personal security, free mental health care. And this is when I'm just like, you know, like I can see why someone wanted to smack that sandwich out of our progressive hands is what I'm saying. Yeah. Great ideas. Maybe in a perfect world we could get there, but like, I I don't think it was realistic to expect that we would get there right away. But at the same time, I I do think it's realistic to expect that the accountability board is not made up of police or influenced by police. Like Mm -hmm. it really is for police's own benefit to not let them influence 
you know, how how discipline is handed out to truly bad actors. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to mention in the article from Sophie Peel, she points out that this is the election where this was passed. This measure that created this new accountability system to build a new oversight board was the same election that brought us Mingus Maps and Dan Ryan, the very same. Yep. And there's this attitude, I think, in city council of like, oh, the 82% of people that wanted this, they're not here anymore. Our exodus hasn't been that bad. And in fact, right. it's the same people <laughs> that voted 82%. for Ryan and Maps. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with me this morning, going through some of the news of the day. I hope that this didn't completely bum everyone out. There were some hopeful pieces in there. One, I might get a neck tattoo. Let's go. Healthy, neck tattoo. Just like air pumped that. I'm getting, I'm getting the Markham Bridge tatted. <laughs> And uh, Brian might get a crow. We don't know. We don't know. We'll see. A, and we'll and see. maybe maybe we have a cure for keloids and an idea for how to solve the public defender crisis. Yeah, and, that should be the headline. Uh, we've, yeah. we've got all we, kinds of great ideas here. <laughs> we figured it out. That's actually what, what the, uh, the title of this roundup is going to be. We figured it out. We've solved the problems. We crunched so. the numbers. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much, Brian and Althea. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank you for for having me on again. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thanks so much for listening. Our executive producer is John Atariani. Our producers this week were Lizzie Goldsmith and Julia Fiaioni. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monahan, And our host is me, Claudia Meza. Original music by Jenny Conley and Stephen Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound and All the Kimonos. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. Slim's.